Thank you for listening to the new Norm on Frank Caramano. Um, so I said last week, this week I was going to talk about my five favorite um, Philadelphia Eagles games. And, and I'm going to do this list from when Andy Reid took over as head coach. I'm 33 years old. Yes, there are games in the 90s I do remember. I remember the Eagles Saints playoff game, 92 Reggie White. Um, Eagles Lions playoff game where, you know, the Eagles put 50 on them, but um, really, I mean, I was under 10 years old when this stuff was happening, so since Reed took over, I wanted to make the list, and these are my five favorite games, so I'm going to start at five and work my way down and give some thoughts on, you know, each game and what it meant and why it meant, how much it meant. Um, the first one I want to do is number five is... Miracle at the Meadowlands, number two. Obviously, this game, and this is probably a game in terms of, it's fifth on the list because, I mean, the game itself, it, it arguably could be won. I mean, it was an impossible comeback, down 21 points with seven and a half minutes left, on the road, against New York, in a game that would essentially determine the winner of the division, Um the only thing was, like, I and I truthfully thought this Eagles team was going to win the Super Bowl. I mean, Michael Vick was playing at an MVP level. He was having an MVP-type season. Uh, you know, McCoy, the offense, Deshaun, obviously, our, our defense. Everything on that team was just clicking. This was a year where Cobb was going to be the quarterback. He got hurt game one against Green Bay. Vick came in in the cool throwback green uniforms, and that should be the permanent uniforms. And, you know, we lost to Green Bay that day, but Michael Vick absolutely lit it up, and he was the starter going uh, the rest of the way. Um, and to lose that year in the playoffs, ironically, to Green Bay, because, you know, our kicker missed two kicks from, you know, inside 43 yards, and we lost by five. And, it, you know, he had a touchdown on the last drive, and, you know, Michael just missed Deshaun. And, Regardless, Miracle at the Meadowlands was, was so unbelievable because, you know, I'll never forget it. When when Boss caught the touchdown for the Giants, they went up 31-10, seven and a half minutes left. You know, it's over. And then, you know, Michael Vick, you know, first that series, I mean, it's a, like a big play right out of the gate. Hits Brent Selleck on a seam route and Selleck scores. And then Andy dials up the trick onside kick, and Akers kicks a beautiful onside kick recovered by Riley Cooper. Um, Vic takes us down the field, running all over. I mean, it, when you really look back at the miracle at the Meadowlands number two, I mean, this was probably, I mean, Michael Vick's greatest game with the Eagles was the Redskins Monday night game. Uh, I never seen anything like it, but this is right up there. I mean, this guy, this fourth quarter, I never seen a quarterback play at this level. You know, he throws the touchdown then to Macklin, um, or he runs one in, then he throws the touchdown to Macklin to uh, to tie the game, and then obviously the punt return. I mean, you, people forget New York had the ball there with a chance to win with a minute left, and we force them four and out. And New York could have just sat on the ball even and sent it in overtime. They and I don't blame them. They were trying to win the game themselves. You know, you have the ball at home. You know, go to win. You play to win. And then. You know, the punter obviously punts the ball and, and inbounds and 
Deshaun fumbles it at first and then picks it up. And when he busted through that seam initially, and then Jason Avant laid the block of blocks. And I love how at the end of that play, Deshaun's always been criticized because he didn't run right into the end zone. I mean, it's clear as day what he was doing was he was trying to make sure the clock ran out. He knew he was going to score, but he wanted to be positive. Yes, he could have ran right in the end zone and the game was over, but he was just being safe. That was actually a very smart play by running on the one-yard line across and making sure that the clock expired because um, you'll say, oh, well, what would it have mattered? It's not like they would have scored. Well, the Giants were saying that when they punted the ball. That it this would be higher, but it's it's just a shame what happened. The very next week was there was going to be the huge storm in Philadelphia, and they, we were playing the Vikings on a Sunday night, and they moved our game to Tuesday night, and Joe Webb beat us, and you know it, it was the last win of the season for the Eagles, when you, because then we played Dallas in a meaningless game, rested our starters, and then played the Packers, and they beat us. This was a season I thought, you know what we really could win the Super Bowl because our quarterback is playing at such an insane level and it didn't happen. So yes, it's fifth on my list, but it's just comes with a little bit of a sour taste only because the potential was there to do something special. And that Packers team who barely beat us ended up winning the Super Bowl. So moving on, a little happier times here. So number four for me was the 2008 beatdown in Philadelphia. When we beat the Cowboys 44-6. The day itself is one of the craziest days ever. I mean, the Eagles needed about 17 things to happen. Um, we needed the Bears to lose to the Texans. That happened. The tech, and by the way, these are all teams that weren't even making the playoffs. Like, the Texans didn't make the playoffs. They beat the Bears, kept them out. Um, you know, it could have happened with the Giants um, beating the Vikings and the, the Giants didn't play their starters, and the Vikings beat them. So, I mean, that it was like the one domino that didn't fall our way. But then we needed, you know, the Raiders and Jamarcus Russell and Michael Bush to beat Tampa Bay and it in Tampa Bay. And I remember watching that game, and it's close, it's close. And then all of a sudden when Bush busted that big run, and it's like, holy gosh, the Raiders are going to win this game. The horrible Raiders at the time, they were. this was a bad team. And they're going to beat the Bucks, and we're going to be playing Dallas in a de facto playoff game for both teams. And Dallas never stood a shot. I mean, they ran into a buzzsaw. This was such a crazy year, too, because this was the year McNabb was benched in Baltimore, you know, famously benched for Kevin Cobb. And then, you know, he started the next week, and, and look what happened. He had the, the great game on the Thanksgiving night against the Cardinals who would ultimately beat the Eagles in the NFC title game that year in a game that I will never, ever, ever forget as long as I live. I mean, th think about that. We go into the, they beat Dallas 44-6. I mean, it, it was an execution. It was a route of routes. They play the Vikings the next week in the Wilds card game. We beat them. Then it's like you play um, New York, who was the number one seed at home. And the Eagles go into New York. We beat the Giants. And then it's, onto Arizona and it's like okay now we're playing the team we just spanked on Thanksgiving night and yeah it was in Philadelphia and this one's in uh, Arizona which was still crap considering the Eagles were 9-6-1 and one, beat the Cardinals and we had to go to Arizona who was 9-7 and seven, because they won their division which is still the stupidest thing going um, but yeah to beat them and then all of a sudden in that first half I'll never forget it Larry Fitzgerald has like the half of halves our defense just doesn't show up 
And then we score 18 unanswered points, take the lead 25-24, and Quint Michael misses that tackle on Tim Hightower, the, the fourth and one, and we get the ball back, and you know we, we get down inside the 50 and Donovan, and then we go four and out. It's just so disappointing because I, I know that the Cardinals and Steelers had a great Super Bowl, but I really think we would have won the Super Bowl. I mean, just imagine if they beat, if they somehow, if Michael makes that tackle and they win that game against Arizona, the Eagles beat the, the Steelers. I mean, think about everything that's different then. Like, Andy's still the coach, probably, right? I mean, Donovan probably is never traded. Um, Michael Vick probably isn't. I mean, who knows? Like, maybe he's an Eagle, but who knows if he ever plays because Donovan was, was going to be the guy still. And just a crazy turn of events, but. Yeah, I'll always remember that beatdown. Um, number three for me is the 2005 NFC title game. Ironically, it was on my birthday, which is something I'll always remember. Um, this one was special because this was the fourth consecutive year we had played in the NFC title game. We were 0-3. We lost to the Rams when we had the ball at the 50, down 5, and went 4-0. and out. Then... Right there, by the way, that was that's what concerned me the most about McNabb was that game right there. That was the first time I thought, uh-oh, with Donovan McNabb. And again, I'm not one of these guys who thinks Donovan McNabb sucked or anything like that. Clearly, he didn't suck. Donovan McNabb was a very, very good quarterback. But Donovan McNabb just did not have the clutch gene. I mean, it, it, I know it's not a thing people like to talk about because you can't quantify it. It's not statistical, I guess, right? There's no way to judge somebody's clutchness, but I judged Donovan's clutchness that day, and it it came up zero. Then the next year, we played Tampa Bay, and McNabb comes back from the broken ankle, and it, it was like that broken ankle, by the way, was the thing that changed him forever because he breaks his ankle against the Cardinals. He stays in the game in the second half. He throws for like four or 300 yards, has four touchdowns, throws the, like lights them up in the second half on one leg, and it's like all of a sudden in his head he just thought, wow, I could be people throwing the ball. And he decided he wanted to become a thrower instead of an athlete at the position. And it's like, damn, man, if you just stayed the athlete you were and had trust in the arm, I mean, he was the ultimate player. Regardless, he comes back. We lose to Tampa Bay a game I was at, the last game at the vet. Then the next year we played Carolina. I, I Again, it's like, okay, now we're playing them at home. This was the year that we had the 4th and twenty-six. The week before, we get the 4th and 26 against Green Bay. It's like, we are going to the Super Bowl. I mean, we should have lost to the Packers there, right? I mean, 4th and 26, and we get stomped out by Carolina, 14-3 or something like that. But this year, 2005, this was the T.O. year. And remember, T.O. did not play in the playoffs. So, I mean, we play Atlanta at home. This was the Brian Dawkins, Algie Carumpler hit this game, and you know, I look back at it and, you know, I pulled up the box score here just to, like, look back at this game. Michael Vick was the quarterback, obviously, for the Falcons. And I look at Vick's numbers and it's just like he had, he was 11 for 24, 136 yards in interception. Like crazy. He only ran for 26 yards. They did nothing. Donovan, 17 for 26, 180, though, two touchdowns. Donovan ran for 32 yards. He ran for more yards than Michael Vick. It was so rewarding to finally win and go to the Super Bowl, and it's just crazy we had to play the Patriots during their Spygate days, and 
I'll never, ever truthfully believe we lost that Super Bowl fair and square. But the 2005 NFC title game, winning that game 27-10, I mean, that, like I said, up until a couple years ago, I mean, this was the highlight. Then, uh, I know I said last week I was only going to use one game from the season. I lied. I'm using two. I should use all three because the Atlanta game should be up there. But the number two game is the 2018 NFC title game. I, I, I couldn't leave it out. I mean, we beat the Minnesota Vikings. 38-7 38-7 to go to the Super Bowl. Nick Foles played the greatest, at this point in my life, what I had thought was the greatest game I'd ever seen somebody play. I, I just, that game, I mean, it, the way it started, Minnesota's coming off their miracle win against the Saints. They go right down the field and go up 7 nothing on us. We, you know, punt the ball back and then, you know, Minnesota's moving the ball a little bit, and then bang, you know, Chris Long gets around the edge, gets a piece of Keenum's arm, Patrick Robinson intercepts the ball, scores a touchdown, and who would have thought from that point? Like, we boat raced them. Boat raced them. And I remember people going, oh, Keenum's better than Foles. And it's like, Foles was 26 of 33. He threw for 352 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers. You just look at the game, too. It's like Jay Ajayi, 73 yards rushing. I mean, LeGarrette Blount only had 21 yards, but he had that one touchdown run where he just ran over Andrew Sandejo. He's still not up. He still never recovered. You look at our receivers in that game, you know, Ertz, 93 yards. Jeffrey, 85 yards. Two touchdowns. Smith, 69 yards. Aguilar, 50. It was like the completeness of that team. I'll never forget that game. How could you? Like, I, I just remember in that second half on the flea flicker and knowing in my heart when Smith caught that ball, I'm like, we're going to win the Super Bowl. There's nobody beating us. There's just no way. Foles found it. This team has it. I, and it's stunning to think that was like when we beat Atlanta in the second half, when the way the offense played, I thought, okay, we have a shot. We definitely have a shot. I mean, he's going to have to play infinitely better if we're going to win a Super Bowl, but we have a shot now. And, you know, it was great. And that, I mean, really, like Julio Jones comes down with that ball and bounds. I mean, we're out. That's how close it was. But it's like once Foles found it, and it was like at this point in this game, and this that flea flicker touchdown, it was like I just knew right there. I go, we're going to win the Super Bowl. Nobody's stopping us. To think when Wentz's knee blew out in the Coliseum and you thought, like, we all thought it. It's over. We're, we're going to be a two-loss team here, and it's over. You know, this guy's having an MVP-type year, and it's over. Like, you lose your start in quarterback. It's, it's just, it's virtually impossible. And Foles, like, and again, I truthfully believe if Nick Foles was not the quarterback against the Patriots in the Super Bowl, we would have lost. And that is not a shot at Carson Wentz. He played the greatest game I'd ever seen a quarterback play. He was unbelievable. He missed one throw the entire game. He missed one throw, it seems like, in two games here. I mean, he didn't miss against the Vikings. It was the greatest game I had ever seen somebody play. And then now, you know, it might as well just transition, number one. Obviously, it's Super Bowl 52. Foles went from playing the greatest game I had ever seen somebody play in the NFC title game, and he topped it in the Super Bowl. 
in, in Super Bowl 52, it's like the, the whole game, it's just so crazy, you know, like Jeffrey explodes in the first half. They're throwing jump balls, and, you know, I remember he gets the first touchdown over Eric Rowe, former Eagle. And, and you know, the, the, the missed kick from Goskowski, you know, Elliott missed at an extra point. Then Blunt runs one. It's like it's 15-3. to three. You know, then we get the bad breaks there with a couple bull, you know, the, the interception that probably should have been a penalty on Gilmore. I mean, it, it clearly was pass interference because Jeffrey only had one arm. Then the next series, they, they call a ticket, the same like type penalty. And then they call one on the Eagles, on Jalen Mills, on Gronkowski. And then, you know, New England goes down and scores. It's 15-12. to 12, And I'll never forget when Clement caught that wheel. And I just, I'd screamed for it. I go, I'd run a wheel route here eventually. I'm like, they're, they're trying to cover our running backs with linebackers. And their linebackers are slow. And Sir is, sure is on cue. And again, I'm not making this up. This is honest to God truth. I literally called for a wheel route the next play. Or the play, like, right before it. I said, I'd run a wheel. And they ran the wheel. And Clement got it. And then, obviously, you know, did everything he could to score. Got us inside the five. And, you know, then, obviously, the trick play to, to score the touchdown. And in that second half, it was like New England just, they were unstoppable. They went down the field at will. I mean, when you look back at that Super Bowl, it's so crazy when... Gronkowski catches the ball for the touchdown that gives him the lead, 33-32, and it's like, all right, we get the ball. And I'm, I remember I looked at the clock, and I go, there's like nine minutes left. I'm like, we might have to run this out to win. Like, you, you couldn't think that. Like, you're thinking we might have to run this out to win because our defense has not shown any sign or ability that we're going to be able to stop the Patriots. The minute the second half started, they were unstoppable. And I and I remember we get down and you know it's it's fourth and one, and we're at like think about this we're on our own side of the fifty like it's so crazy we were at our what thirty nine yard line, and, and he went for it because the coach recognized what I recognized, like it's fourth and one like we're not stopping them so we might as well give them the ball with short field because at least they'll score quick, and we can get the ball back down eight and hopefully have a shot to tie the game. Because I mean, if you punt there, you just know they're going to go down, and, and now this time there's going to be under six minutes or under seven minutes left, and you know maybe you don't get, maybe they run the clock out. I mean, they were doing what they wanted, you know, and and Vitae doesn't get the block, and Foles buys just enough time and hits Ertz on that one yard pass, and Ertz even stretching the ball. It's like that to me is the most underrated play in Eagles history. I mean, really, like they don't convert that fourth and one, they 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 probably don't win the Super Bowl. But they convert it, and then I remember they hit the Aguilar on on the third down pass, and then I'm just thinking there was like Aguilar gets a, a reverse and runs out of bounds, and I'm like, damn it, don't go out of bounds because we needed to run the clock out. I truthfully thought we needed to run the clock out. I remember when Earth scored, the you know the the where the and then they had to review it, which was crap anyway. But obviously it was a touchdown. But I just remember sitting there going, this is great. Obviously we have the lead. There's two and a half minutes left. I, I had no doubt in my heart that the Patriots were going to go down and at least threaten a score. I didn't know if they would. I mean, who knows if they get inside the 20 and, you know, our defense stymies up finally and, and we're able to stop them like we did against Atlanta. But I had no doubts they were going down to put themselves in that position. And then, you know, Brandon Graham makes the greatest defensive play in Eagles history. I mean, that's the truth. Strips Tom Brady, Barnett recovers it. 
And then we get the ball, and, and I'll and I'll never forget this. Like, so New England only had what was it? Two timeouts. Was it two? I think no. Actually, they might have one, but they had a two-minute warning. And on first down, we run the ball, and then Belichick, like, inexplicably calls timeout with like two oh four on the play clock, and. You're like, why didn't he just let it run down to two minutes? Because now, no matter what, the play is going to take four seconds, so you, you, it's going to be a two-minute warning. So it's like a free play for the Eagles, and Peterson would have been aggressive, like I said, going for it on the fourth and one, the trick play, all this stuff. That, to me, was a scary moment because he ran the ball on that down, and, and we got nothing. But I'm like, dude, Foles is playing the greatest game I've ever seen a quarterback play. And now New England is daring us to throw the football. Like, that's what the, and I, I don't know why Belichick was daring us to throw the football because he had not shown anything all game in terms of a, a way to stop Nick Foles. He was playing the greatest game ever. I, I think that he thought in his head, maybe their defense, I, I don't know. I mean, he must have thought they weren't going to stop us. So the only thing he could hope for is maybe by accident that somehow we get a strip sack like they did on us. But, you know. Doug was content with kicking almost a 50-yard field goal. I mean, really, if Elliott misses that kick, and I know I give him a lot of slack, I mean, we lose that game. But, I mean, we, we run it down, they kick the field goal, and obviously the Hail Mary happens, and the ball hits the ground, we win the Super Bowl. It's the, it's the greatest moment, it's the greatest game in Philadelphia Eagles history. We beat the New England Patriots on Tom Brady's arguably his greatest day, and we won the game 41-33. It, it's, it's just wild, it's incredible. And since 2000, those are my five favorite games. The Miracle at the Meadowlands, number two, because of how unbelievably dramatic the win was, scoring 28 points in seven and a half minutes to win in regulation. You know, that the beatdown of the Cowboys to go to the playoffs in 08. Um, the NFC title game in 05. And again, there's other games too. Like, And, and they obviously the 2018 NFC title game in the Super Bowl. And there's a, a million other games. You know, Garcia's year, he had a lot of cool moments. You know, it's it's the, the year that we, what, think about it, we, the, the year we went to um, the NFC title, where we hosted the NFC title game. Or no, the year we, we went to the Super Bowl. I mean, we were in danger going what? Two and four? Westbrook gets the punt, returns it back against the Giants? That was a miracle in the Meadowlands of sort. I, there was a lot. There were a lot. A lot of incredible games. Chip Kelly's first year, us beating Dallas. Kyle Orton was the quarterback that day, but it's like, we win that game, we go and play. The, like, there were so many great moments, so many great games. Um, yeah, it's We've been fortunate since 2000. Trust me, the Eagles have been, for the most part, a winning franchise here. I mean, really, there's, there's a few exceptions, I understand, but we've had a lot of success. We've had the ultimate success, too. So it's it's not like, you know, all for not. It's not all for not. We have a championship. We have a Lombardi trophy. Like I said, I look at it right in front of me every time I record this show. I'm staring at Nick Foles holding that Lombardi trophy and just thinking to myself, that man played the greatest game I've ever seen somebody play, and we are champions forever because of it. Now, speaking of being champions forever, I mean, we're going to hopefully got good news this week. Philadelphia and, the, and Pittsburgh, good news for the state. Looks like 
pro sports are going to be, you know, opening up here. Teams are going to be able to resume, you know, as long as they're following safety protocols, uh, resuming team activities, which which is great, great news for not just our state, but for the country. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it, it's, it's great to know that right now sports look like they're very likely. Today, Texas announced that when sports resume, uh, they're going to allow an open-door stadiums, 25% capacity. I mean, it's... It's clear now science is showing us that, you know, open air is, is the safest way to do all this. And, you know, that's good for football for the most part. I mean, there are exceptions. Obviously, there are some teams that play in domes and indoor stadiums, but the Eagles play outdoors, so I, it is what it is. I mean, if it's safer to be outdoors, it's safer to be outdoors. Um, but it, no news in terms of, like, what they were going to do at running back. I know they wanted Heidi, ended up signing with the Seahawks, and... I know that they supposedly made a couple offers to Devontae Freeman, but nobody knows what he's going to do. He's threatening to retire. Clowney's still out there. There hasn't been any really big news in terms of the roster, which kind of still shocks me a little bit here because now we're into June almost. I mean, I know they want to get another running back. I know that they're looking for a little help at maybe linebacker, maybe some help on uh, on the pass rush, but, I mean, there's not much to pick out there. And you would figure if they're going to make a move, they would have made it already, but... I'm telling you, the Eagles have a very special team going into this season if they stay healthy. I just think Wentz's play at the end of last year was so encouraging. They're fast now. That's one thing. I know this, especially on offense. They are fast. They are going from the slowest wide receiver group maybe of all time to the fastest that they've ever had. Rager, Goodwin, you know, Hightower, these guys are burners. Deshaun is a burner, and he's back. I'm just thrilled that it finally is starting to feel a lot more comfortable that football will happen come September. So strap up and strap in. I want to thank everybody, as always, for listening to the new norm. You know, stay healthy, stay safe, and as always, go Birds. 